Hello everyone, Be Yourself Podcast here. How are you doing? Hope everyone is doing as well as me. Um, I'm really glad to be coming back. I had some some issues with computers and things, but I'll make it up to you guys with a very special guest here, directly from the United States. Check out the song and I'll be right back. Hey guys, hello everyone, Gabriel here, your host. I would like today to introduce you to a special guest. I've met him this week. He's the first person of my my show, which I just met, but it was a really interesting person. And we are here down in Amantea, south of Italy. I'll talk today with Chris. Hello, Chris. Welcome to Be Yourself Podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, so, uh, we just met, actually. We met a couple days ago because we are in the city and is this movie kind of festival and cinema and he's an actor so i would like you to talk more first about this and how you got into this particular uh festival here and how you got here yeah great that sounds amazing yeah so uh i've been acting in the united states for 12 years um and i've been a filmmaker for the last five um and really i was just scrolling on instagram and uh, Instagram ad popped up for La Grimba, and it's an art residency here in Amatea. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, wow, um, you know, 20, 21 countries from around the world come together to edit, shoot, write, the entire process of filmmaking in two weeks with a grand festival at the end. Um, and really it's just a celebration of filmmaking. Um, and I feel really, really confident that this is going to, you know, push me farther as a person in my career, as an actor, spiritually. Um, and so, yeah, I arrived here, what, almost a week ago into Almaty. It's a beautiful place, probably the most beautiful place I've ever seen. Uh, in your entire life? In my entire life. Wow, man. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, you have the Mediterranean, you have the mountains, and hiking around, like nature. So I live in New York City, um, and to be able to get nature is so special for me. Um, and especially when I'm surrounded by, you know, people, new friends like yourself. Um, I think I've met over 75 new friends in my life just in the last week. <laughs> that's, that, that's something really great about traveling, right? And it's unbelievable, yeah. And this is my first time actually out of the States, my first time in Europe. Um, and it's really just been a special, special moment for me. That's nice, man. I'm glad that you're here, actually. And like giving me, the people that listen, and even yourself, this amazing time in this, this unique town. I would say like that. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and as you just said, you are from United States. You're originally from originally from New York, like. No, so I was born in Massachusetts, uh, and I lived there 12 years of my life, and then I moved down to North Carolina. So I got a little bit of the north, I got a little bit of the south, and now I set up in New York City, um, you know, the art hub of the world, and it's it's amazing. And I still go back to Massachusetts a lot. I, I lived there for three months uh, last summer um, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and that was a great experience. And I always go back down to North Carolina to see my family. 
uh, go down to surf, go down to, you know, enjoy the warm weather in the winter. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, yeah, it, the different cultures of the U.S. really, like, come together in me. And it's, it's unique right now. It's a unique time in the U.S. It's very split. But, you know, having both sides of the story and being able to communicate with people from the North and the South and understanding and empathizing with both of them, it gives me a really unique perspective on what you know the U.S. is going through currently. So, you mean polit politi politically? Yeah, or? politically, spiritually, yeah. culturally. You know, I mean, we're considered the melting pot of the world. You know, and I really believe that. And I have friends from all over the world that live in the U.S. And ha you know, talking with them and communicating, you know, their feelings about what's going on. A lot of them don't even really enjoy talking American politics, which is very interesting. And I, you know. I'm somebody I, you know, I write and, and I journal and, you know, I really try to see all perspectives on what's going on, at least in the country where I'm from, where I grew up, you know, a country that I love so much and I think can be, you know, better always. And, um, but yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to say because politically speaking, America is, you know, very unique and, you know, I know you have a, you know, you love talking you know capitalism with the world and everything um you know capitalism is the bloodline of my country so but yeah yeah i don't know i don't want to ramble too much about american politics but it's just uh it's it's really cool though to to see a different perspective of the world and i know we talked perspective before but being here in europe and and I'll give you an example. So I was talking to, you know, one of the filmmakers here, um, actually two, sorry, Alex, and uh, he's from Berlin, and Bart, he's from the Netherlands. And what they were telling me is America is so much hustle, 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 never yeah. relax. And I, and I really do believe that. And there, for, you know, Alex was like, for me in Berlin, like, it's relax, 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 and then let's work. And it's just like the, you know, the 180 perspective on how to live life. But I really do believe that the hustle mentality in America is, is really how you must be to be able to be successful at the end of the day. It's like the only way. It's like, I can say for, for example, in Brazil, we have, a, we have a contrast. I mean, because you have the, the beach, because you have a lot of nature, you have many people that have gotten out of this vortex, if I can call it like that. Yeah. But it's still like you know brazil has so many roots from united states brazil it has been actually like during this whole century the 20th century just uh like united states it's mom and it's dad you know like we can talk about the political part like how it has influenced on how we are today how our capitalism is just like yours how are, how we were talking yesterday even about the the inequality they look alike right i still think brazil is a little bit worse but because it has i don't know maybe more people in the line of poverty i don't know i've i've seen the two but both of them they are really similar and yeah. like one little thing or another it's a little bit different so yeah i mean it's really interesting that we we got to meet each other and to talk about this and it's really really good that you just mentioned this part of 
trying to understand all the sides and empathizing with them before making your your own argument your like i was i was watching a podcast the other day and it was really like this sentence the right like let's put it let's split politics and right sure. and left the right is really it's pretty much not seen you know it's like it's it works with what has been presented to them and out of that try to squeeze the orange and just take out everything that you can but still we haven't seen much however usually the left has seen more but because of this seeing more of more information of more uh like like it, it is more information in the end you know you're less ignorant and i'm not saying ignorant in a bad way sure, it's just yeah. lack of information but all this left is like more arrogant because of this knowledge and i think that's the biggest issue is like when people grab onto knowledge and they they sort of have like a look down perspective of of the world on exactly. other people who are ignorant or who they call ignorant even but really it's just you know and i and i make this phrase all the time i go you know how can a gay man in new york city sympathize with a guy in louisiana who fishes every day you you can't it's impossible you know totally different exactly and that's only two specific places in the united states we have you know if you look at it on a and break it down and this is how i've been sort of describing it to a lot of my european friends here is like we have 50 different countries that have to come together 50 different cultures You know, it's sort of like the EU, except federally speaking, we all have to, you know, follow the same rules, the same laws. And it's, it's you know, somebody is not going to get what they want at the end of the day. And that's just life, you know. And there's only so much compromise. But w this is something that at least I think we should be more balanced. We should be more hearing, empathizing. Try to understand each other's shoes. Try to, to put ourselves in them and, okay... This is good for me, but it's not good for them. But next time it will be good for them, not good for me. And let's try to find a balance. And the world today is not like this. No, it's not. It's definitely not like this. It's sad. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad. But what we can do is talk about it exactly. and maybe just push people to think about it more. Because I think the more we think, the more we empathize, the better it is. It's not my opinion is better than yours and vice versa. And it's not like that. It's talk about it discuss about it try to find a balance and for me i mean that comes back to like what i try to do with my artistry you know is like i i want to be a provocateur in a way i want people to to look at my thing and i'm you know there's a saying in art where it's like the worst thing an artist can make is something boring you know mm -hmm. either have people love it or have people hate it because if you're doing that at least they're, you're making them think about it And I think that goes with everything, including this conversation, all conversations, you know, pushing yourself forward and making yourself grow, reading people's perspectives on things, listening to people's perspectives on things. And from that, you know, taking all the data points and then moving forward with your own opinion. Exactly. And make of that a philosophy because like that, you are always mutating yourself. So you're not attached to something in a way that you're stuck. Exactly. Nice.
that's that's nice. We we can't. I did. I didn't think we were gonna talk about politics, but we did in the end. <laughs> and I usually don't talk about politics. Yeah, yeah. Like, because usually people are or this or that. It's so ingrained, though. For yeah, me, exactly. You know, it's and it's much more than that. Politics yeah. is every day. It's life. It, I mean, it's how people get treated on a day-to-day exactly. basis. You know, how people survive. Exactly. Just for me to say, are you bothered by the rain? No, I'm good. You're good. Okay. Um, nice, nice. So I have a, a question. Like, what was the process behind becoming an actor? Like, the pro. I don't know if it's too general. No, no. But I think like. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean. So I think, I think there's a few ways, really. Um, I'm going to give you sort of like an overarching, and then I'll give you my personal um, journey. So overarching, you can be a child actor, professionally speaking, and, or you can find it later in life. So between those two, um, usually most people go and they train, they study. And we have a bunch of different types of training. So we have a BA school, so bachelor's. BFA schools, so Bachelor in Fine Arts, and then conservatories, which are sort of two and a half years, and that's just like a trade school, right? So like going and learning plumbing or going and learning how to work with cars. Plumbing, what do you mean? In the sense of it um, being like all you do is acting. So if you go to a trade school, right, all you're going to learn is plumbing. You're going to have, you know, mentorship and learning the business. Same thing with conservatories for us. So personally for me, I started acting very young, like 10 years old. And I wasn't, was not a professional actor. I was just doing small things um, like theater and whatnot. And then from there, <laughs> from there, I started doing high school. Um, and I remember actually the day, the exact day that I became an actor. And I had taken an acting class in my high school which I'm very grateful that we even had that to begin with because a lot of schools in America, they cut a lot of fine arts out of their uh, budget. But I, I had an acting class and my teacher goes, I think you should audition for this play. I think, okay, sure. So I remember sitting up that night studying a script um, uh, as a monologue for the audition and crying. I was 15 and I was crying to my mom and to my dad because I, I just couldn't get it. And I just, I think I was just putting so much weight and pressure onto it. And I show up the next day and finally I'm like, you know what, whatever, fuck this. Like, I'm just gonna, whatever I have, I'm just go gonna go. Flow. Exactly. So I show up the next day and I, <laughs> school ends and I'm walking into the theater and I walk in and I sit down. There's a hundred people around me. Wow. hundred people auditioning for the show. And I look around, I know zero, zero of these hundred people. I went to a really big high school. I graduated with 800 people. And I'm oh, looking around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like after you said it. Yeah. And so I, so I looked around and I go, okay. And I stood up and I grabbed my backpack and I walked out of the theater. And I was going to leave. I was just going to go home and give up. And as I'm walking out, my teacher goes, oh, Chris, I'm so glad you're auditioning today. I'll see you, I'll see you in there. I'm like, fuck me, man. Like, I'm trapped now, you know? So I go to the water fountain, I take a drink, and I go back into the theater. I go on stage. I'm, like, sweating my ass off. You know, legs are shaking, everything. And I go and I do the monologue, and I get a huge round of applause. And I'm like, wow. That feeling right there, that feeling is, like, was the, one of the most special things 
up until that point in my life that I felt. And then the... the a recognition, you mean? Right? Yeah, I mean, really just like, because of how scared I was, like, to even pursue, like, I was going to give up 15 minutes yeah. before that moment. The whole situation. Huh? And then I go up there and I have a 99, if I'm the hundredth person, cheering me on after I try something new for the first time in my life. That never happens. That's so rare. Uh-huh. And so the cast list comes out, or the callback sheet, which is sort of the next process, comes out. And I, uh, my name's not on there. And so I played sports my whole life. So I'm like, oh, I got cut, whatever. I tried. That's what it is. And the cast list comes out uh, the next day. And I was on there. As, and I was, it's, uh, the play was The Crucible by Arthur Miller. It's a really iconic play uh, about the Salem Witch Trials in America. And I was 15, and I was got cast as a 75-year-old Irish farmer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you had to play this. Yeah, oh exactly. So then I go, and then I did that whole process. But yeah, and then so I acted through my high school, and then I went to college, a BA school, for one year. And I shot... I Sorry, I didn't shoot. I performed in three shows. Uh, I won, like, a pretty nice award for the school, for my performances. And then I just said, you know, I was 19 years old, and I said, it's time to go to New York City. And I just uplifted my life, uprooted, and then I moved. From North Carolina? Yeah, from North Carolina to New York City at 19, and then have been living there ever since. Trained at a conservatory, uh, Atlantic Acting Conservatory. Creator was David Mamet, and he's a brilliant director, playwright. Um, and then did that for a year and then was getting a lot of really nice uh, film work and decided to leave and now I'm here. That's nice, man. Yeah, man. It's kind of a story, man. It's a beautiful story. I'm blessed for it, definitely. It's the second time you say blessed to me in less than 24 hours. That's also good. Yeah, well, I am. I feel very, well, I feel just feel very blessed. A, <laughs> I know this is going to sound sort of cliche and cheesy, but I'm blessed to be alive every day, seriously. That's, that's, that's how it should be. I'm blessed to be around people that love me and support me. I'm blessed to meet new friends. I'm blessed to be in Amatea, around all these filmmakers, learning so much every day, whether in film or just about the world. So yeah, man, I'm just really blessed. It's nice. It's just fucking nice. It's just, just the moment, man. It just, it's good. Bird there, really nice bird. I actually wrote about the moment. Can I read something to you? Sure, man. Feel free. Yeah, is that okay? The stage is yours. I appreciate this. So yeah, I wrote this poem actually the day before I left New York to come here. I wrote this poem. Um, I took like... I took a nice edible. Ah! Boink. And then I sat out on my balcony and I was just appreciating the skyline. Uh, And it's called Moment. East Harlem, June 2022. A motionless cityscape, but look closer. Shadows of birds against the buildings. Dandelion fur glides through the air. The clouds drift at their own pace. A plastic bag tied to a roof's railing fights for its freedom with the wind. In the far-off distance, an endless stream of cars pass over the bridge, and all that happened in a single moment. And it's really just about being present. It's pretty, and I just closed my eyes now, and I had my own perspective and image of your moment, like, when it was. Yeah. When was it? Yeah. It was this June. Like, it was maybe (laughs) two, two, three weeks ago. 
in the summer. This is awesome. I, I love this things of moment regarding art. Like, you know, I'm a photographer, so all the time that I get it. And I, I cannot say I am 100% there all the time I do the photos. But when I am, those photos are just more special, just more historical for me and with more meaning. And what do you shoot specifically, like photography-wise? I actually, I do for sports, but when I really, really, really enjoy are these just moments where I just stare to all the elements surrounding me and I just, for example, yesterday I was laying down with the camera and I was staring at the ocean with the with the sun there and it was just like looking at me like sun, the ocean and I was like in this weird angle, you know, and that's like just I when I'm in this weird things we are not weird they're just perfect for me right just perfect moments and I just took the shot and with the light like the ocean and I, I looked at pe- that picture I said wow and when I was editing I was okay which name is this gonna be and I, I did some contrast there I looked I looked and I said okay this there are four things here five because there were two humans the shadows but with the four I said okay these are the four elements exactly like the four elements just this as the, the earth, the ocean as the water, the air, and the sun as the five. Wow. So I just got them and, and, I, and I didn't put five because of the people because I just wanted the nature. I just wanted the nature, but this element of the people will be from the person who looks at the picture to say, oh, there are five, you know, or... And it's beautiful with like the shadows of the people, like you say, because it's like, it's like earth, and then the human spirit, the human soul, sprawling the dark side, the dark energy of human humanity, really, even on Earth as well. Like what we've done exactly to our home. And th- this is a good point. Like I thought about it. I thought about this, but it's good that you have this point of view because when you look, if you look at this picture, I will show you later. Yeah, it's in my Instagram. It's 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 that. It's this is one of the first things that I thought about it. So it's even with the intention. In between there so it, uh, it's, it's just cool I, th- this is my kind of photography which I feel alive you know just to push the button it's more than pushing a button it's registering many elements at the same time it's beautiful yeah man thanks <laughs> uh, yeah just continuing here you said the process so we were talking about something yesterday and I thought it was really, really interesting. It's about how do you see acting? So like if you can to share this, I think it was something like really unique. So yeah, yeah feel free. Yeah, I mean, you know, acting is a lifestyle for me. I've committed my life to it. I've devoted it. Um, I call myself a craftsman in it. Sorry, can you repeat it? Yeah, I call myself a craftsman in it. I can define that for you if what you is want. It? Yeah, Please. so a lot of people... Um, a lot of people and, and this is not an original thought actually this comes from Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. um, where he talks about when he's in the kitchen he doesn't want a chef to come up to him and be like I'm an artist he wants a chef to come up to him and be like I'm a craftsman and the difference is I think artists don't necessarily need to be in an artistic field they can be anybody they can be lawyers they can be doctors they can be CEOs of you know 
big corporations, but they can also be directors, they can be photographers, writers, actors as well. An artist for me is somebody who is present and enjoys the moment and can romanticize life. Whereas a craftsman is somebody who devotes themselves and gets obsessed with their craft. Uh, and that can also be in art or something else. Um, and, you know, I think the example that is best is from like a book called uh, The Fear of Art. And they talk about, uh, you know, a, a man for 40 years makes violins. I might, I'm misquoting probably, but a man for 40 years makes violins. And to him, it's just he's making violins. But he's so good at it, a customer comes in one day and he goes, wow, that's art. And he's never seen it like oh, yeah. that before. Exactly. So for me, this is craft, you know? Art, is, I mean, acting is a craft. Maybe the exercising of your, of your, of what you want, especially, so let's say you are a lawyer. Sure. Can you be a craft? Like you can be a craftsman in law, definitely. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah, yeah, you can be a craftsman in anything. I think it's... And you can be an artist and a craftsman at the same time. You can just be an artist. You can just be a craftsman. Okay. You know, they're mutually exclusive. But they can also be mutually inclusive. It doesn't necessarily matter. It's just who the person is and how they see life, really. But for me, right, to answer your question about acting, I, I take it... My mission with acting is when I perform something, A, I have a couple of things I really want. I want to push myself every role I have, every chance I get. To the best job you to can. To the best I possibly can, as authentically as I possibly can, emoting as authentically as I possibly can, staying present in the moment as much as I possibly can, and accurately depicting what the director or the visionary of the project really sees and really wants. Another thing is I want to change at least one person that has seen, whether it's a film or a play that I'm in, I want to change their life. And it could be either for a split second or it could be forever. And it only has to be one. And if it's more than one, you know, that's frosting on the cake. But if I can change one person's life because they're watching me be present in the moment, emoting and acting, saying words that you know have been written down could be for thousands of years could be for hundreds of years then i feel like my i've really done my job at the end of the day as a craftsman i like that thank you i really like that i like that because it's not a it's not a usual goal i like your unusual goals yeah i think those are the ones that are going to change because it's all up to us to believe in ourselves and the limit it's not really the limit well yeah i mean it's if you set a bar for yourself you know <laughs> you're only get, you, you're probably never going to meet the bar in the life that you set right yeah so you might as well just send it to the moon exactly <laughs> exactly man exactly uh nice and this is a really particular question and how do you prepare for your scenes yeah that's a great question actually yeah, um, well, first things first, rule number one as an actor is learn your lines. Okay. Without learning your lines, you're gonna waste everybody else's time. Um, <clears throat> then after line learning, I have a specific process of script analysis, so I'll break down. Um, and it's different, right, because stage acting versus film acting, it, it sort of tweaks in a way. 
stage, you have the entire context built all the way to every moment going forward. Whereas film, it's a lot of stop, start, stop, start. So you need to really process the context of the scene or the moment that you're in and then be able to stop and then be, be able to redo that again. And then maybe you're shooting out of order and you know, you're shooting the end first and all of these things. So breaking down the script, uh, and they're called beats, so every time uh, your character has a change of thought or a change of emotion, that's called a beat change. Um, and being able to go beat by beat on what's happening, and basically you're just building a blueprint for yourself to really understand. Then, rehearsal. So you would go into a rehearsal with lines, uh, and this is how I've been taught. Uh, when you're learning lines, you do what's called by rote and it's no emotion no acting at all just learn the lines because if you know the lines all of the emotion and acting will come from the moment okay you just say the lines and whatever however you're feeling is however you're feeling and it'll be more authentic exactly and it'll make sense and people will connect with that a lot better so then after that what i do for some other stuff i mean some more specialty stuff is uh, i like running so i'll do monologues on the treadmill so making myself get really out of breath and like pushing my breath work. Uh, I studied this technique called the Alexander Technique, which is actually a self-care meditation technique uh, where you do what's called lie downs and directions. Um, and it's really peaceful and it keeps you really grounded as well. Just for me to understand this, when you're in the treadmill running, sure. you make the most out of it, like the, the best, the, how do we say, you get tired as fuck. Like yes. You just kill yourself. Yeah for you to get out of breath yeah and this is a technique like yeah I mean I feel like preparing to the extremes helps because you can always dim it down right I'm I'm I, I try to understand this because I, I play foot volley and I play much better when in the training I get like without total air I, right like just do all that I can until I'm on the floor without doing anything and this makes my, my game so much better. Right. That's why I, I'm like it's, looking it's, at that. It's, it's exactly like that. Just translate that, right? Where you, you push yourself to the extreme in the training. So when you're actually, you know, performing in game or, you know. You have a bigger gap. Exactly. Like yeah. even if you're dead out of breath, you're still going to be able to perform. Whereas maybe your opponent's not pushing himself as hard in training and he actually can't. Boom. Now you see his weakness. You attack. You win. And it's the same for acting with me. Obviously, there's no competition and no attacking like an opponent, but it's attacking the text. It's attacking myself, emotionally speaking. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. And I do that with like a lot of stuff. So like when I was training, I went through like movement class, for instance. And we do these things. We trained in like, a, it's called Suzuki and viewpoints. Um, and it's a Japanese technique. Um, and we went out and you know we like we do this thing called suzuki squats where you really you get into a squat you mm -hmm. hold and you perform your lines from there wow <laughs> right sounds funny to see <laughs> yeah and it's crazy but then again what happens if you're in a movie uh -huh. and you need to be out of breath what are you gonna do well what i do is i actually run I'm not gonna, you know, mimic and fake being out of breath. Why would I do that? When I can actually put my body to the extreme and, and, sure. and really be present and really be out of breath. And I've done it multiple times. I did it on my first short film I ever done um, called The Shade. And, you know, everybody, you know, stares at me. And I was 19 when I did it. And everyone's staring at me, you know, big 40, 50 person crew. 
and they're like you know like what the fuck is this kid doing like what's going on they're all adults like they're all in their you know professional careers 30s Mm -hmm. 40s year old but then they saw the scene and then they saw the scene in the movie and they go ah that's why he did it and that's when I was really young and that's before I even really trained very hard and so now it's just like taking small bits here and there everything I'm learning building my own sort of technique the Chris Inman technique and then going forward and always being okay with you know changing it and mutating it like you said earlier just getting it better and better and exactly. better to get better roll and better results exactly it's nice I like that I like that and they're good because we made, we did like from my life what I do in, with yours and it translates perfectly you know yeah it's just meets up it's nice um okay I have a something really just most interesting part you did most interesting part I've ever done it's hmm. a good question um, I've done some really cool parts obviously that first one that I was explaining to you about the Irish 75 year old farmer at 15 that was pretty hard that was I pretty imagine. difficult I can imagine uh, I played Nick Carraway in Gatsby on stage that was really difficult I was on stage the entire time I had like fucking 500 lines to like memorize wow. like 8 monologues it's like a 2 hour show that was really difficult made me grow and learn my first movie I ever did because it was so different than stage made me grow and learn that was the shade um, the first film I did after training monkey bars that was really interesting and that was really cool as well because um, the shade was a really great production like big though very professional and it's sort of like <laughs> imprinted and set the precedent for my career where I was like a little snooty I'll say I'll be honest with you and then I go down and I cut it all out and I go do, uh, you know, monkey bars. And it's still a great crew, huge people, all amazing people. Um, uh, you know, their, their production company is called Big Blue. And, but the character that she really built, uh, her name's Jacqueline Zeri. Um, my character uh, in the story was really autobiographical for her. And so I was playing the, uh, the antagonist. Um, and about based on somebody in her life and I was actually like literally got to read her journals uh, while, when she was Whoa. like young how she would write about this guy and then build that character off of her journals her perspective of this guy it's crazy so that was really really cool um, and then recently uh, what's been really really cool is I'm, I played a prisoner on death row uh, in the 1800s getting hung that was really cool and then, yeah, and then experiences like here, for instance, like, I mean, we're, this guy over here, his name's Richard, he's uh-huh. from the UK, he's a director. I worked with him the other day, one-on-one, just one-on-one. You never see that. And it was so cool, it strips it all down to the basics. Me and him just talking like this, really, philosophy, life, spirituality, traveling through Amatea as he shoots me in all these unbelievable locations. So like there's not really one specific role that I can be like this is my favorite thing hopefully in the future yes right what I would really want to play is like a character like Voldemort I was actually having this conversation oh that's nice yeah something like really wild where I can like I can put on a mask sorry just lay down here because I'm a little bit hurt here but yeah do it up you can continue but like a character where I can really put on a mask and like Mm. really 
not be Chris Hinman in the role and really be like transform into something else and see how much more I can grow, how much more freedom I can find, whether it's in voice work, whether it's in body work, movement, moment to moment play. So yeah, man, not, nothing really, no one, no, no one role for me. Every role has given me something, you know? I like that because I actually is the best answer. Like when you're building up yourself, you're young, I'm young. We have this moment, this memorable moment, but to get just one, it's it's not fair with life, you know. For life just just gives us so many good moments. Why we need to choose one, right? Yeah, and I think in career is also the same. It makes it makes no sense. Like every moment has holds equal stake in your life, you know. They are all moments, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're all moments, just what you make of them. Exactly. Nice. Um, I'd like to almost finish in here, but what are your goals? Yeah, man. I mean, professionally speaking, I would love to be able to support myself as an actor, as a writer. One or the other, really. Acting for me... And acting in general is really on a lot of people's time, a lot of other people's time. Whereas writing for me is on my time, and it's about self, you know, dedication, discipline. But a long-term goal, I guess, would to be would be for to make something that that really puts a a spin, an imprint, my own philosophy. Whether that's a book about my acting principles, whether that is, you know. <laughs> a role that you know people can relate to all across the world you know but like I said I set my you know I set my my ceiling really high to the moon I'd love to win an Oscar someday that's nice I'd love to win a Pulitzer one day why not why not me you know mm -hmm. but we'll see you know yes but spiritually speaking Staying present, staying moment to moment, enjoying life. I'm somebody who doesn't want to leave this world with regrets. I want that last moment to be, you know, the, as the DMT like rushes into my head. <laughs> my wife, my kids, my family, a beautiful sunset going down, maybe even over the Mediterranean like we're watching. But yeah, man, yourself? Me? Yeah. What I want for life? Yeah. What's your goal? We're gonna need like more half an hour of podcast. So I'll just say in a really smooth way, really small. Like I also have short-term, mid-term, long-term goals, and I thank God for having you know this like really young. When I was 21, I kind of discovered what I wanted. So. I just want to make an impact for myself, for the ones I care, and for everyone, in a better way. So I will use the system we have, the capitalism, not deny it, just because you know, like, but use it, and use the tools such as sports to just bring this impact and bring more balance to everything. And this will be done little by little, and it has been done, I mean, My life is so dynamic. My life is so, it's so, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow. 
And I don't know what's gonna happen in one month. But I know what I want. And I know what I want for the best. And it's not the best for me. And and I think this is something that with more and more people wanting it, we're gonna have a better world, a better world for everyone. Yeah, sounds a little bit philosophical, but it's pretty much like that. It's okay though. And I want to do it through sports because I think that's the tool. Cool. That's the tool that it got like lost into so much uh, profit, profit, profit. But there's also the, the part that it still saves lives and brings the moment to many people. And it's, they're so beautiful. Like we were talking about wakeboarding. When a people just hangs in the air doing a stale fish, it just stops there so fucking high. It's just, that's amazing. You know? And yeah, and that's it for me, pretty much. And one last question. Yeah. What is God for you? God? Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually, I have a poem up right now, if that's fine. Sure. And I wrote this in January of 2021. I still think it sits. And then I'll explain a little bit more after, if that's all right. Yeah. It's called, I Hope God Hears This. I don't know how to pray anymore, so I'll write. Words are tangible, thoughts are not. Here I go, I guess. Dear God, I pray for peace, for smiles and for laughs. I pray for love, for twinkled eyes and for endless glow. I pray for healing, for meditation and for growth. In your name I pray. Amen. And God to me is really more of a spiritual force. Something that, you know, I've had a lot of moments in my life. And we explained this last night where I don't believe in coincidences, for instance. And I've had a lot of experiences in my life where I've been able to, you know, pray and ask for something and be fully honest with, you know, quote unquote God and be like, I would love this thing in this moment. But if I don't get it, I also understand why. It's a test and you are pushing me forward with that test and I'll be okay either way. So yeah, I mean, I pray. I grew up Catholic. Now my family goes to a non-denominational church. My parents are still religious. They still go to church. And, you know, I don't necessarily believe in all of the dogma of Christianity. But I definitely believe that there's something up there that there's something up there that really is looking over us in the sense of being like, you're gonna be okay. There's gonna be ups and there's gonna be downs. But I promise you, there's gonna be ups again. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. And with this philosophical awesome finish, we end up this episode. Chris, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. For this episode. Uh, was just like I expected actually and I don't usually have expectations right but 
this is the type of episode and podcast that I think it's good. It's good and not just good. This good comes with a lot behind, you know. So, thank you. I appreciate it. If you have any considerations and find something. Um, no, I just have one last thing to say. In honor of Amatea, ciao. Ciao ragazzo. Grazie mille. Queen Zidman, everyone. Thank you.